When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to Frederick, Frederick across his body, great goal, yes! Oh, what a backflip, Pete! And a full backflip! I missed the backflip! Oh, he's got the side on backflip! I'll do it, just do it again, I want to see... I think we've got to send Scott Cummings to the Olympics. He can be the gymnastics commentator, I reckon. Bit was of a, it a backflip, though, Duff? Was it, was it a backflip? It was a side flip. It was the sort of thing that could do an ankle or a knee, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon if it, it was, we, we love it, but I reckon if you're the coach, you go, yeah, no, don't, don't do that again, please. Paul Hazelby, Fremantle legend, joins me in the studio to unpack the derby from the Fremantle side of things. Hayes, what did you make of it? Life's a bit better this week. Uh, zero on three would have been very ugly for Fremantle supporters out there. You take the four points, but given the circumstances, I don't think you take too much confidence from it. Probably the one stat that I did like was the 16 marks inside 50. You look at that and go, well, maybe they did improve some of that efficiency inside their forward 50, but still some concerns around clearance, still some concerns around contested possessions, given the dominance that we saw from Sean Darcy. And... Still some missed kicks inside the Ford 50. So against the good sides that have all their players on the bench, we're going to find out a bit more about Fremantle against Adelaide this weekend. So let's unpack that around the contest, around the stoppage. It looked like Fremantle had a lot of first possession and then gave it up. Hmm. There's a lot of rushed handballs, unwarranted handballs, spilled balls that gave West Coast clearances. How do you tidy that up? It's not easy. I go back to my days under Aaron Sandlands that all the team that we were playing against, they knew the ball was going to Hazelby or Bell. So they would just be really close checking on those players. And if you can get in there, get some body at the point of impact of that contest going down to that player, you can get a spillage. And often what happens is when you get confidence from your ruckman when Sean Darcy is dominating, you're looking for the secondary possession. So it might be Brayshaw ready to get the first one and then Sarong's already made his move to get the handball received. So if you can cause a spillage right there, you can get them offside. And I felt that Luke Shuey did that a lot, particularly early, got some nice ball out the front of the stoppage. You know, it becomes about that chemistry between the two. So mixing it up, not being predictable, putting on some blocks, trying to put it to advantage to the right side of that individual player. But it's not easy because stopping when you know where the ball's going to go is quite easy to do in the game of AFL. West Coast looked like they got quite assertive too around the stoppage, didn't they? Once Mm. they nullified the hit out, they were basically get ready to get on their bikes and get out of there quickly. Well, they're aiming for the, st- the spillage, aren't they? Where the yep. Dockers are aiming for the clear play, handball receive, handball receive. They're waiting for the spillage and then ready to pounce. And look, the lack of the big bodies for Fremantle continues to be a bit of an issue. You look at their clearances, they're number 16 across the first three rounds, number one for hit outs. So, you know, there's no Nathan Fife in there. There's no David Mundy. Jagro Mira's been okay, but his role's been a little bit reduced given, I think, the fact that they have been in that area in the first three rounds. Will Brody, what do they do with him now? He didn't play. They have a win. You'd probably think he goes back to the waffle and plays in round one there. So that that's an interesting 
list management decision, isn't it now, the Omira decision? I think mm. a three- or four-year deal. Um, obviously, they were looking for the mature body and the classy midfielder to replace David Mundy, but they've almost marginalised Brody in the best 22. That's what it feels like. It's not ideal, is it? You don't replace Mundy because of the kicking inside the Ford 50 and that big body midfielder that, you know, when you're under the pump, he was the one that would often go in there and win those clearances. And then you've lost your probably second or third best midfielder from last year. He was the great story for Fremantle fans coming across from Gold Coast. So it's interesting to see how it plays out. And sometimes when you do recruit players in and it doesn't work straight away, it does upset the apple cart. And we've seen it before, I reckon, um, Smokey McPhee, Adam McPhee, when he came across the second time, he had probably eight to nine or ten of the worst games I think we've seen. But the club was invested in it. It threw some other people off. They lost their positions just to get it working for Adam McPhee. And in the hope that it works for the football club, and that is going to be the case for Jager O'Meara, that they want it to work for everybody. But at this stage, Will Brody he misses his position. One thing that did work, they stuck with Jai Amos. You've been a buyer on Jai Amos mm. all along. The thing that I was really pleasantly surprised by was his ability to trade weight and hold ground in marking contests. Knew he was good on the lead, knew he was a good set shot, kicked two, should have kicked three probably. Yep. And he got missed again. So Matt Tabernay going inside forward 50 with a simple kick yep. misses him 30 metres out. So, you know, it changes it for him that he gets that, kicks three, kicks four, all of a sudden you get confidence, you buy a bit of time in the team. But, you know, I had him pegged for 40 goal stuff and two goals a week. So he got his two, yep. but he's Confidence was rocked, I think, by not playing round one. Came in round two, tough conditions. But wasn't it a big difference with the speed that they had on the ball? When they actually got it in there quickly, even Matt Tabernar, I thought, didn't kick the goals, but he led up pretty well, got a few touches. Jackson got two goals. Michael Walters also the beneficiary. It makes a big difference. And just their marks, they had 80 marks on the weekend, 16 marks inside their Ford 50. The two weeks prior, 101 and 136. So too many uncontested marks going nowhere, mm. basically further back down the ground. Yep. Walters, with if they're going to play fast footy, which they appear like they've committed to now, Walters' ability to get one-on-ones makes him so much more dangerous, doesn't it? Six goals in six quarters. Like, he's back to his very best. And yeah. many of us probably thought this was it and he was going to struggle for his spot, but he's not going to because when he gets a one-on-one, he's very hard to stop. He doesn't look like he's playing for free kicks from what I've seen this year. I know he got one with a high tackle that he was a bit lucky to get, but I think in that position, most players would go lower to protect themselves. Um, but he's also that good inside 50 kick as well. Most of his possessions so far have been deep, but I think as he gets more confident, and builds his fitness base, he'll get up the ground and kick the ball inside the forward 50. And him and Sam Switkowski, who was brilliant on the weekend, they're probably the two that you want with ball in hand because they are good decision makers. I'm going to ask you about Switkowski as a mid forward as opposed to just a pure forward. They, they need to stay with that, don't they? It gives them zip around the mm. middle and he's good in traffic as well. And his pressure and intensity is unbelievable. So you throw him in the midfield. He may not win those stoppages, but he's going to certainly cause some spillages and win the ball back. He's a star. Like they've been saying it for a long time. I was probably a little bit late to the party with the way that he played, and he's probably not a big goal kicker. He got two on the weekend, but just his ability to get the ball in midfield and make the right decision. And that might be a quick handball, might be a quick kick, but on the weekend it was like, hang on, there's the defence folding back. I can run and carry. There's 10 to 15 metres. I'm going to do that very quickly. And then it opened up the field of play for him to make that decision Again, whether it be by handball over the top or a kick inside the forward 50, he was sensational. And in the first half, 
the team sacrifice to shut down Jermaine Jones, who had 29 disposals the week before. At halftime, he had four, and that takes a lot of nows to stick at a job like that and know every time that the West Coast Eagles win the ball in the back half, you've got to find that bloke in Jermaine Jones and shut him down. So he's a high-footy IQ player, isn't yeah. he? Like, not, it, it doesn't – like with someone like Pendlebury, it's obvious – but clearly Switkowski has that, and it's taken us a while to realise that. There's a bit of that, isn't there, about Pendlebury? Not that everything slows down, but he, he sums up the spatial awareness very quickly. Yep. What can I do? Do I have to get rid of it now, or is there a few metres for me to work in where he takes off? And I think in round one, he kicked a nice goal um, coming from the boundary line yep. where he was able to do that. So not all players have that. Luke Jackson. What did you make him? He was better, two goals, but you still look like you've, you're reserving judgment. I am, yeah. Look, he gets his hands to a lot of balls, and that is a positive. I think there was probably 15 to 18 marking contests that he got to. I'm concerned that in those contests he's not getting any separation on his opponent, that when there's body there, he just can't execute the mark. We saw a couple of good ones, one in the back line, one in the forward line right at the end of the game, where he got a jump, a run and a jump. And that's fantastic. He looks a million dollars when he does that. But as he progresses, and if he does become the player that we hope, then the attention comes on to him too, because a lot of teams will start to do their homework. Boys, you do not let Jackson run and jump. So he needs to improve all those facets to get his game to that particular level, because the better you get, the harder it gets, because teams start to put more time into you. His work around stoppage was really good. Like the follow-up, the handball, fantastic. Still the ruck taps, I think he can improve that. I reckon there was two or three that Jake Waterman decided not to go against him, and he tapped him, tapped the ball straight to Jake Waterman. Better, his confidence will grow, but still not convinced he's going to be that answer in attack for the Fremantle Dockers. Do you go with the same structure? Let's say Nathan Fife gets up for this week. Do you go with the same structure in attack? Do you try and change it in some way? I'd imagine Amos plays again. Mm. I'd imagine, well, clearly Jackson plays again. Does Tabiner play again? You're happy with that? And if so, how do you fit Fife in? Yeah, I think you go with Tabiner. Look, Liam Henry could be the one that becomes vulnerable if they do want to make a change. So there is a spot there. Bailey Banford went out the week before. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. I would back Tabernar in for one more. I reckon even though he didn't hit the scoreboard and he's struggling a little bit, there were positive signs. And that was back on the back of better ball movement. Still lacking a bit of power though, isn't he, Matt Tabernar, when he does take a mark inside the forward 50, missing and not making the distance from 40 metres yeah. is an issue. But I'd love to see them all together with Fife in there with good ball movement and then make some judgment on the back of that. Let's talk about Liam Henry. He's an interesting one. He looked like he'd made progress. And then watching him the last couple of weeks, the AFL gives you opportunities to learn what you can and can't do, doesn't it, in that Mm. environment. I just get the feeling he's not learning fast enough. Three or four times he tried to do things that – the AFL environment is not going to let him do. And um, that that's a concern for me at this stage of his career. Yeah, you're right. There's a couple of things with him that last year I gave him a whack when he played a game for Peel Thunder. He just didn't work hard enough. I think the work rate's improved. You can see that over the you preseason. You can see that tackling. He was, he yeah. was really going hard. But so that's a positive. Yeah. Tick there. Um, and then you look at the possession rate. So he's always a pretty low possession player. I think he's improved that. So he's finding more footy on the back of the work rate. But... 
Then it is about your disposal and what you do when you get the ball. And if you are limited in positions that you can play, so he's not an insider, he's not a goal kicker, he's an outside player. Your outside players are the ones that you want to feed the ball, and they need to be the best decision makers, the best distributors of the footy. And from what I've seen so far this year, he's making too many critical errors, not just errors, critical errors in parts of the ground that if you turn them over, they're going to cost you a goal back the other way. There's a couple in the corridor that we saw as well. So he won't make it if he doesn't improve that part of his game. He's still young. There's still time. It's going to be a big selection call for Longmuir this week. If it was me, I'd probably give him a rest to say, go back, improve that part of his game because you just can't have your outside midfielder that you're giving the ball, turning it over as much as he does. And he's not a goal kicker. I think we've seen that across his career. Normally, you know, you'll see some of those smaller forwards have that craft. I don't think he really has the forward craft. So he has to be mid forward wing and you've got to be a good kick. Matt Johnson, I know he only played, what, a bit more than a quarter, I think, but did you see enough for him from him to, to leave him in, do you think? Absolutely, yep. I like uh, O'Driscoll and him playing those roles. I think they give something different. They've got some good speed, good skills as well, and a bit of flexibility too. He can go on the inside. So James Aish on the weekend had the role on Tim Kelly and was pretty good, even though I thought at times he gave Kelly a bit too much leeway. I don't think you just want two wingmen. I think you need one that's a hybrid that can go in and give you that flexibility at times. And he's got that. He'll grow. The other one is Neil Erasmus, which is going to be fascinating. So you talk about Will Brody not playing. You talk about now Jagro Mira. You know, he's sort of in the midfield, but they've pushed him out a couple of times into the forward line. Where does he sit, Duff, in in the uh, pecking order? And what does it mean come the end of the year if he can't force his way in? Yeah, I think the other question there is with fast footy, Hayes, I'm, I'm concerned about the toll it's going to take on players. We saw what it did to West Coast on the weekend. Their older players just absolutely broke, Mm. basically. Is that because they've gone from zero to that fast in a short space of time and and haven't trained that way potentially for a long time, that they have been a team, get the ball in the back half, let's all rest, let's chip it around, give it to Hearn, McGovern, away they go. Maybe, maybe there's a bit of that. I, I reckon it's going to be a brutal style and you're going to need a squad I think not just a mm. team. I, I, I get the feeling that that's what footy's going to evolve into because it's evolved so quickly into this fast game, hasn't it? You know, with the stand the mark rule, with the protected space rule, suddenly some, someone like Collingwood goes, we can exploit this. Yeah. And everyone's going, unless we're playing that, we're playing with one arm tied behind our back. And so everyone's, and it's high octane, isn't it? It's great to watch. Well, Richmond yeah. have been doing it, um, you know, but it's how you train. Like if you've done that for two or three years and you conditioned your body for it, I think you're in a better position. There are still times where you can go back into kick mark mode. And I felt Fremantle probably did that in the third quarter. They, yeah. they were pretty comfortable. But the lesson from that is it's not ideal because they don't score. And that's when West Coast actually made their move in the game. A sneaky inside midfielder, James Aish. Hmm. He slider build. He's not regarded as robust or vigorous or anything like that, but he's clean, makes good decisions. He, he, he goes well in there, doesn't he? He does. We saw it last year when he played on Clayton Oliver. Actually tagged him and did a really good job. He finds plenty of the footy. And we shouldn't be surprised. James Ace is a very high draft pick and just yeah. took him a little bit of time to find a club that needed that. He's been forced out to the wing a bit with Fremantle and he, he finds possession. He He's um, he's not your forward running wingman and that's why I do love the other guys in those positions. But they've got another midfielder and that's going to put more pressure on, I think, O'Meara and also Will Brody for their spots in that midfield. Very quickly, will you be tipping them against Adelaide on Saturday? Uh, no. 
I'm in trouble in my tipping, so I'm going to play it a bit more safe, I think, with Adelaide at home. They were impressive. I have concerns about their forward line with Philthorpe now playing well. Fogarty could come back in. Walker, Rankin, Rochelle. That's as good as it gets in the AFL. So if they don't get their clearance and contested stuff right, I think they could be vulnerable. Hoping, but I will be tipping Adelaide. Paul Hazelby, Fremantle legend, on his thoughts about Fremantle coming out of their 41-point win in the Western Derby. You want to have your say, agree or disagree with Hayes, the temperate bedshed text line is the place you can do it, 0487 736 736. We'll take a break and be back with more after the break.